Hello and welcome to the Go Fish Village podcast. We help everyday people just like you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And you might be looking at my Go Fish shirt. So as the saying goes, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach a man a fish or a woman to fish, <laughs> feed him for a lifetime. I'm Josh Mercer, founder of Go Fish Village, also a realtor with Premier Chicago Real Estate. So if you're looking to list your property, or if you're looking to buy an investment property or buy that dream home or that multi-unit, holler at your boy at www.listwithmercer.com. Today, I got a special guest in the building, a special guest, man. We got a professional, man. One of the few brothers that's in the city of Chicago that's doing it. I'm talking about a licensed engineer, Illinois, Michigan, Mississippi, D.C., everywhere. If you need something to get structurally sound, you need to holler at Marcus. Last year alone, the man did over 150 uh, projects in the Chicagoland area and beyond. And he specializes in additions and rehab and also doing ground up. But now he's going to branch off into commercial, which I love, man. Yo, secure the bag, Marcus. Yo. All about growth. Um, secure the bag, baby. <laughs> so I got none other than Marcus Woods of Woods Residential Engineering and Inspection. Man, Marcus, welcome to the show, bro. All right, man. I appreciate you having me, Josh, man. Thanks, bro. Oh, for sure, man. For sure, man. You know, I appreciate you taking time out. I know business is booming over there, you know. <laughs> you know, so you got to take time out. Yeah. Right hey, man, me too, bro. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Marcus, man, you, you actually helped me with one of my buildings, man, making sure oh. it was right. We added the addition on to it. Uh, yeah, it's still standing, right? Still standing, man. It ain't blowing <laughs> off nothing, man. You know, we 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 rock solid over here, man. I appreciate it, and and as a result, man, you know, I get a lot of love in the neighborhood because it was kind of like I took this, we took this um building that was a beautiful building, and we made it even better, man, by adding that addition, man. So I appreciate you doing that, bro. Yeah, man. And I love that we did that project for you on the south side of Chicago because a lot of my clients on the north side, that's like every day. Like, yeah. they're always doing additions. I always put a lot of money into finishes. And like, the south side doesn't get that type of love. So I'm, I'm glad that you bringing it down there, man. Yeah, it wasn't cheap. One <laughs> cheap, bro. One cheap. One cheap. Took me took me longer than I thought to add that addition, but I'm, I'm definitely glad I did it. It, it yeah. gave me a lot more equity uh, in my spot, man. So, so tell me, man, uh, talk to me, man. How did you get into engineering and specifically structural engineering? Man, honestly, I kind of fell into it. Like when I was growing up, I didn't know what an engineer was. Uh, I was lucky that my mom worked at the University of Chicago. And one of the coworkers saw that I was good at math and science and told me that I should become an engineer. And in my mind, I, just, I thought they were talking about driving trains. Because oh, uh, I had no idea what an engineer was. I liked that exposure. But when I looked into it, I was like, okay, engineering is something about problem solving. It made a lot of sense to me. So I went to school for engineering, still not knowing exactly what I want to do as an engineer, because there's over 50 different types of engineers. Mm. Uh, but I took a class there where they introduced me to about five or 10 different types of engineering. And when I did structural, I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. So it actually was not until I got to college, so I realized I wanted to be a structural engineer. Damn. So what, what exactly do structural engineers do? So a lot of times people ask, like, what's the difference between a structural engineer and an architect? And I always say this, you know, my architects are going to come at me, but architects make it pretty, engineers make it work. Oh, wow. Right. So an architect will lay out a building. They'll say, okay, I want to design this school. I want to have rooms here, here. I want to have this type of spacing. 
and then they'll take that plan and give it to me and I'll figure out what needs to happen to make it work. So like I'll design the columns, the beams, the walls. I'll say what size they need to be, what material needs to be in order to make sure that building doesn't fall when gravity loads are imposed on it, when wind tries to blow it over. That's my hmm. responsibility. Interesting, man. I had Jason Pugh on the show yesterday, man. Uh, I, was like, I was asking him, I said, yo, Jason, man, um, you got the engineer, you got the architect, you got the GC, Who's mo who's most important in that equation, man? Okay. He says he says eleven out of ten times it's the architect. He said eleven. So I want to ask you, man. I mean, who's who's most important in that equation, man? So I say this: if the architect <laughs> does their design and it falls down, who you need? Uh, you're gonna need the engineer, man. The engineer. I, mean, I always say that you're gonna need the insurance agent. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's interesting. So. So you making sure, so you're not so much concerned with like aesthetics. No, no. Nope. You're more concerned with, hey, durability and is it structurally sound? How much weight can it hold? Exactly. You know? Like what's the use going to be? Yep. Wow. So so you have to break a lot of hearts. Like, no, nah, that's not going to work, bro. So it's, it's funny though, because like there's a spectrum of engineers, right? There's some that are very textbook that say, okay, I just want to make this work. And they don't, cause they don't understand the arts of uh, engineering because I wouldn't want to just work on projects that are all boxes. Like it will be very easy to do, but I have an appreciation for the arts. That's why I like a lot of architects like working with me because I'm gonna push the engineering, the science behind the engineering to make their designs work. Cause a lot of times there's a few projects where architects have pushed the issues and like, uh, I don't know if that's gonna work. Let's see, let's play around with it. Let's see if we can make it work. Other engineers were like, nope, it won't work. I don't want to do it. Damn. Damn, man. So, so I mean, you say ground up, additions, rehabs. I mean, what, you know, here here on, you know, on Go Fish, man, when our, our primary focus is helping people achieve financial freedom yeah. through real estate. Um, and when I talk, say financial freedom, I'm just saying, you know, getting in real estate so that can – you know, you can build a legacy for your family or it can at least help you pay for your essential bills. Right. As an engineer, what are some things that you've seen people maybe add to their homes where it has increased the value of their home? Not necessarily something super big, but just right. say, you know, this is what you need to be doing. So I think a lot of like, I think it's uh, actually two responses. The first one is properties that other people are afraid to touch. So a lot of times you walk into these projects, you might see cracked foundation walls, you might see sloping floors. A lot of people won't touch that because they, they don't understand that that could be fixed. So there's a lot of opportunities that people miss out on. Because like These are properties that might be listed super, super low. Like the acquisition cost might be close to 15, 20,000 where you can get a property that doesn't have that issue that's 60, 70,000. But what they don't know is like to fix it might only cost $10,000. So you could get a property, fix the structure for pretty cheap, and then your total acquisition is lower than if you would have got something else. Wow, okay. So I think having an understanding that things can be fixed and not, and just because it doesn't look turnkey doesn't mean you should turn away from it right away. Man, so, so I mean, so you really got to have vision. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's all about the vision and just understanding how money works and what things cost. So, I mean... If I did want to add value to my home, what's something that I could do? If I got a budget of, let's say, 50 grand, 
you know, because I, I would imagine that, you know, because these things add up quick. You got because before you can do anything major to your house, you got to probably what get the architect. You got to get, get the architect. You got to you got to hire an architect and an engineer to create the plans. Mm-hmm. Then those plans get submitted to the city for approval. And then once they get submitted to, for approval, you send them to GC to get ballpark numbers. And then you start getting the GC under contract and then you start building. So even before you even hit up the GC for any of that, you got you to drop bread for them blueprints, which can get that can be a couple G's right it there. Be. It can be. But so I usually recommend you talk to the GC first before you start hiring engineers and architects. Because if that ballpark number is, you know, twice what your budget is, then you don't want to spend the money hiring a design professional. Mm-hmm. So you want to know that what you're trying to do is at least in the realm of possibility with the finances that you have. But to answer your question about ways to add value, people love additional space. So like a lot of times I'm getting calls to add rooftops. Recently, really like since COVID, I get a lot of calls to add rooftop decks on top of garages. Really? Yeah. Because like the thing is, like there are certain rules on how much uh, livable space you can have in a, in a property. So like, you can't just always just add a floor. Like sometimes you can't just, if you have a two flat, you're not able just to add a whole nother level on top of it. Because So you can you add a rooftop on a frame garage? Yeah. So a lot of times you, we have to reinforce the framing, but it's definitely possible. Mm, wow. That's dope. Yeah. So it's just maximizing the space that you actually have. So why why don't we see that type of uh why don't we see that on the south side that much? Oh, um, the it's man, it's so funny. I I think a big reason is we as African Americans don't own a lot of the properties that are out on the south side. So you have a lot of these developers who don't live in the neighborhood who are just looking at you know they have like these big buildings. Uh, they're they don't think they're going to get a return on their investment if they put more money into the property, right? So let's say they have a um, an eight-unit building. They're going to do the bare minimum on that project. They're not going to put stainless steel finishes. They're not going to make it really nice because they don't think the rents are going to come back for at that additional investment. Whereas on the north side, they know, okay, if I have this threshold, if I do even a little a little bit nicer. It's going to quadruple in value. Wow, I, I think I guess that makes sense, man. When you um, uh, if people, if the ownership is not there, you know what, you know, people aren't gonna um, and, and if people don't live in those communities, people not really going to put the money back in there. Now that's, I mean, that's that 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 definitely makes sense, man. Because when you when you drive to certain parts of the city, man, you see all this creativity and people are really maximizing the space that they have, you know, in these in these yeah, uh, apartments. Like there's a project I was working on actually with Jason uh, on the north side. They wanted to do an addition. So instead of just doing a regular, you know, tr- traditional addition, what they wanted to do was a cantilever the addition from the first floor over the ground floor. So uh, imagine that you have the outdoor space and then the house cantilevers over it and then the house goes up from there. Damn. They, didn't, they didn't want to lose their green space, but they didn't leave it. That sounds expensive, man. It was. It actually was. Uh, it was Damn. a dope design, but you know, people 
people aren't investing that type of uh, architecture on the south. And I guess you know if you if, even if you do own your home on on in the, on the south side or whatever, in certain areas, man, if your property value isn't appreciating at a certain rate, you can't even really refinance out to exactly hook your crib up if that's something that you want to do, man. So it's like they say systemic racism or whatever you want to call it, you know, if, because you, you, you know, from looking at properties, man, like stuff will appraise super low on the South side. And it's like, okay, you know, what's the benefit of buying something on the South side other than wanting to live with your people, you know, financially, because I bought my building in 2007. Now we know the market crashed for like 320. Right. And like two years later, it's worth 150. But I'm like, I understand that it could go down, but That's I was, true. but I was still receiving the same amount of rent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how is it worth less than half of you know what I pay for it? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and honestly, it's not until we get more financial, um, like just funds put into the south side, more developers developing yeah. the south side that we're gonna raise the value. Yeah, because that's because because I'm like, okay, if my property is as a as a landlord, I'm like, all right, if my building is decreasing at such a rate, or if it's not quote unquote valuable, or if I can't, you know, if I want to sell it, I can't even recoup the money I put in. Why would I go ahead and rehab right you know one of the units in there and drop, you know, 50 grand? You know, it doesn't even make financial sense. So and that's then that's why you don't see these creative uh projects on the south side is it, it doesn't make financial sense yet but it's, it's kind of interesting because like in my mind it's like what what's going to come first is it's going to take a lot of people doing it to create that um that center where the property values go up so that's why mm-hmm. you have areas on the south side where it makes sense to put in that investment like you have like the chathams and you have like the beverly's where people they know if you put money in you're gonna get money out yeah yeah, no, that's real, man. Where do you, where do you see, um, how do you see houses changing, man? Because of COVID, I mean, we got more people working from home now, uh. So people, if you spend more time at home, it's you know, funny. you probably want the space to be more creative. I remember when I was working with commercial firms, there were a lot of big developments where they were making these really, really tiny rooms. Like everybody was getting studios. Uh, it was this one on the north side actually, where the entire it was probably like a, a hundred unit building and half the units were studios. A quarter of them were one bedrooms and the rest were two bedrooms. The studio sold immediately because people wanted to be in that area, but they couldn't afford to be in that area. So they're in this little, almost like 500 square foot space. But now in COVID, when you're stuck and you're confined in that space, they're, they're, you feel like you're in a prison. So like people are looking for bigger places now. They're looking for bigger bedrooms. Wow. So yeah. I mean, are you getting those type of requests? To like, hey, can you, what can you do with this and that? A lot of load bearing walls. So like people are trying to remove walls in their house to make it feel more open. Damn. Or and the, other, the big request, like I said, is adding uh, rooftop decks on garages and on top of the original structure. Damn, man. That's that's serious, man. Yeah. So what's what's what are some uh some cool projects, man, that you might have uh, worked on? Man, um, so the one that I was talking about earlier, where we were doing a cantilever addition, that was a, a pretty dope project. 
Oh, there was one, this isn't residential. Was, this is actually a project in Mexico that we're in uh, schematic design for. Essentially, we're building a tree house that's being supported by living trees. It's gonna be a little, um, is at one of the resorts down in Cancun. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's dope. So that's you? Yeah, I mean, we, I'm trying to get past schematic design with them. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm ready for that business trip to go check it out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So how, how does a person know if a, if a structural, like the layman, how do they know if they need a structural engineer? So you look for signs of movement. Uh, so there's two, there's two checks in structural engineering. There's serviceability and then there's strength. So if something fails uh, from strength, you're gonna know because it's gonna be on the ground. It's gonna have fallen. Now, serviceability is the one that's a warning sign that there could be a, a potential issue. So you're looking for deflection. So like when you're walking on the floor, is the floor sloping? Is it deflected? You're looking for signs of cracking. So like if it's a masonry building, you'll see what they call step cracks in the brick. So, so that's, that's bad. That's potentially, it's just a sign that something's happening. And then, uh, because sometimes when you get a step crack, what that means is the soil that's below your foundation has compressed, either due to freeze thaw with water in that soil matrix, or it could be that you got undermined by your neighbor. Uh, you could have organic material in the soil. So something happened that allowed that soil below it to have uh, lower bearing capacity. Damn. So, so imagine your soil starts with this volume and then water gets in the soil. The water freezes in the winter, so it expands. And then in the summer, it shrinks. So now the water evaporates, you have nothing but air. Air can't support any weight. So the way the building compresses the soil. So now your building's moving. And then that movement, we call it differential settlement. Part of the building moved, part didn't. So the crack occurs right where that movement happened. Yeah. So when it compresses, what it's actually doing is reconfining the soil. So when it moves, it's actually making the soil stronger. So the question is always, did it make it strong enough where it won't move again? Or is this something that we can expect to continue? Now, if wow. it's going to continue to move, there's ways that we can reinforce that foundation so we can stop any future movement. Or the other option is just kind of wait and see to see if it's going to move some more. So a lot of times you see those step cracks, that means something happened, but without an evaluation, you don't know if it's something that needs to be addressed immediately in the next five years, or it might have just worked itself out. Man, so what about if the, the walls are like Boeing? Is right. that- so It depends on what type of uh, structure it is. So like in Chicago, you really have two type, two main structures. You have a masonry brick or a wood stud wall. And you actually have two subsets of the masonry brick, right? So you have the older homes, there are three rows of brick. So the inner two rows of brick are what we call the structural backup brick. And then the outer row is a cladding brick. So it doesn't add any support to the structure. Those are the ones that are colorful. If you were to look at the two bricks behind it, they're probably a dull color because nobody sees it. So they don't waste their time or their money putting in nice brick. If it's Boeing, the question is, are all three? White? So you're saying bricks bricks aren't made, aren't used to support the building? The outside bricks. So you're going to have like three rows of bricks. Uh huh. The two closest to the inside are structural. That's where your, your joists are going to frame into. Oh, okay. The outer one is going to be more for aesthetics. Got you. 
Got you. Now the Man. question is, is it just the outer row that's moving away or is it all three that are moving? Oh, so if it's just the outer, you good. You it's easier to fix if it's just the outer. Yeah. If it's all three, then you have to get a little bit more creative with the repair. But when we get into structural engineering, that's and and that's that's a major thing. Yeah, right? you gotta pay me, man. That's not that's not something that's um cosmetic, you know what I'm saying? When you get a structural yeah. engineer, you're making a big adjustment to your crib. I'll, I'll say like seven, seven out of 10 times. But a lot of times when something's deflecting, it might deflect to a certain level. And it, so it might not be code compliant, but it's still safe for use. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's different thresholds for movement. So, so might, sometimes you could just be like, yo, just put a steel beam in here. Yeah, it, sometimes fix it's a little it. easy repair. Like, like today, I was looking at a property. Um, it was an older house, uh, a little bit south of Evanston. There was a wall that was non-load bearing, but it had a lot of weight to it. And the problem was the contractor didn't install it directly over the joists. They installed it between two joists, which means that the subfloor is supporting that wall. And the subfloor is not designed for that type of concentrated load. So the whole wall started to deflect. So the real easy repair is just to add a single two by 10 member directly underneath that wall. Now that repair probably is gonna cost them under a thousand dollars. But a lot of people, when they walk in that house and they see a sloping wall, they'll say, oh, this house is gonna fall down, I'm not buying it. Damn, so if, so in, in terms of like when, when people hit you up, um, if I'm doing a rehab, should I always hit up a structural engineer or do I need to hit a contractor first? That's a good question. Um, I would say, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna try to give you a non-biased answer. Um, if, you're, if you're doing a rehab, Honestly, if you're doing a rehab, the first thing you want to do is hit up an architect because you want to make sure that the work that you're doing is going to be legal in the eyes of the city of Chicago. Because there's a lot of rules outside of just the stability of the structure. There's like life safety. So like um, you have to make sure that the rooms have the proper natural light and ventilation from windows. So like before you can even tear down that wall, you have to make sure that when you combine those rooms that the city's gonna allow it. There's certain requirements for how close a room has to be to an exit. So sometimes when you add walls and you move walls, you change that distance. So a person, if in case of a fire, the person won't be able to get out in quick enough time. So all projects should start with an architect to make sure that the, the way you wanna move is gonna be legal. So why would an architect design something? So you're saying architects could design something that's not structurally sound? No, because usually, so they'll start the design and then they'll bring the engineer in after they do their schematic design. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if I'm looking for an engineer, because, um, you know, it's certain professions where words are tossed around, like accountant, right. engineer, nurse, you know, it's different from when you hear doctor. Like doctor, you know that that person has credentials behind their name. Right. Uh, in terms of like an engineer, that's a very general. Yeah, because it's, it's, a, lot, it's you know, a lot of different if, types of us. If somebody wants a qualified 
licensed engineer, I mean, do you like how, how do they find somebody that is not only has experience but also has uh the license the license and the knowledge and the uh proper insurance and the, and, and the history and all of that so there's a website uh that every engineer who operates in the state of illinois has to confide with it's the illinois department for professional regulation oh yeah the idpfr i think yeah. i mean so every, as a realtor we on that we on that too yeah so like all you have to do is ask the engineer for their license number if they don't give it to you, that means they don't have it. Uh, you can also just search on your own, just type in their name or their company and you'll, and you'll be able to pull up their license number and you'll be able to see if they ever had any disciplinary actions. You'll be able to see if their license is active. Uh, you'll be able to, to pull up all that information. Okay, dope, man, dope. So um, are you able to tell people, like I know you kind of said like earlier, like, all right, yo, this is not up to code, but you straight. Are yeah. you like, are you able to tell people like, you know, Hey, five more years, you know, <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Well, you uh, like, is, is that something that you do or, or do you always like go by the book? Like this needs to be replaced. Like, how do you go about advising people? Because everybody doesn't have a budget, right? To, you know, just drop. I know, mean, that's a good question. So, for, for me, because I, I, I like to, you know, do developments as well. So I, I, I understand how budgets work. Um, if something is a concern for life safety, it needs to get replaced right away. So I, I'm never going to um, waver on if something is going to keep somebody alive or not. Now, there's other things that something might not be perfectly plumb. It might not be, it might not have been installed the perfect way, but it might be working. And that's something I, I share with my clients. I'm like, you know, this is a, a something that you should address, but it doesn't necessarily have to be addressed the second you acquire the property. Yeah. And yeah. the thing about engineering, like when we design a structure, we over-design it. Like it's, it's designed to be over-designed. So like, let's say we have a beam that needs to support 100 pounds. We won't design it to support 100 pounds. We're going to design it to support 160 pounds. So that's the factor of safety that we have in every design that we do. Yeah. So the question is, when there's a deflection, how much of that factor of safety do we still have? And that's something that an engineer could do an analysis of to verify. Interesting, man. Yeah. How much um has technology changed, man, from when you first started doing doing <laughs> this stuff to now? Crazy. So like, a lot of these new structures, like this is more like commercial. A lot of the new structures that are getting built they're not going to be able to be repurposed the way that those old structures are. So, you know, like there was a big push to turn those uh, parking garage, not parking lots, those uh, manufacturing facilities into condos and lofts. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to be able to do that in 15 years. Because what happened was the engineers back in the day, they didn't have as much science and understanding of structures that we do now. So they over-designed things even more than we do now. So like they'll have, let's say they have, they're designing a manufacturing facility. And they need to hold really heavy equipment. They couldn't say, okay, this beam can hold exactly this much weight. They would say, I don't know how much this can hold. So let's find the biggest beam we could find. Oh, so really? A huge beam in there. And it might be over-designed by a factor of 10. Like there was one project where we were doing just that. We were converting a manufacturing newspaper plant into lofts. And we did the analysis. We found out that the, that the floor was designed for maybe 300 and 
between 350 and 400 pounds per square foot. It only needs to support 40 pounds per square foot. So it was way over design. Whereas now you see all these light gauge metal buildings. If it needs to support 40 pounds per square foot, we could design it to support 41 pounds per square foot. So we have enough science to just barely make it because developers are trying to save money. So they don't want to put more material in. They don't, they want it just to work, just to meet code so they can save as much right. money as possible. Yeah, they're not thinking about repurposing something after exactly. they it. <laughs> they're like, yo, I'm going to be in it for five years. I'm going to sell it off and I'm out. Yeah. Damn, man, that's crazy. So, I mean, is it, as one of the very few uh, black people that have reached this level of, of um, licensure, I mean, what type of uh, challenges do you have, not just from, <laughs> you know, the other man, but even the brother man. I mean, is it like how do how, how is it? Uh, it's, it's it's pretty lonely out here, man. It's not many of us. Um, I I my entire career, even even going back to like pursuing the the degree, every classroom I've been in, every meeting I've been at, has usually been me and maybe one other person of color. Yeah, maybe one. How does that play out in your career now, man? Are people expecting your prices to be lower? Do you find people trust you still? I got, I got, a, I got a funny story. So, like, so I, I uh, do assessments of existing structure sometimes. So I, I go into people's houses and I'm looking at their structure. Like they have an issue, so I'm going to go look at it. One time, going to a house on the north side, uh, I had a scheduled appointment. They were expecting me. I ring the doorbell. Uh, the husband comes to the door. He's on the phone. He's like, okay, hold on, hold on one second. He walks and, and gets the wife and uh, asks the wife to say, oh, what are you doing here? What, what can we help you with? Wow. I'm like, bro, you called me here. I'm the engineer trying to help you. Yeah. And they thought I was just some, they thought I was a delivery man or just asking for something. Man. So, that's real. Yeah, that's, that's how it is, man. The more things change, man, the more they stay the same. Man. Facts. Marcus, man, Woods Residential Engineering and Inspection, man. Thanks for coming on the show today. All right, man. I appreciate you having me, Josh, man. Always good to catch it up, chop it up, man. For sure, man. And uh, for those of you watching, man, if you want to see shows like this and more, please go to www.gofishvillage.com. We help everyday people achieve financial freedom through real estate. Our boot camp is coming soon. If uh, you're an individual that's looking to list your home, or if you're looking to purchase your home or, or an investment property, please contact me. I'm a realtor with Premier Chicago Real Estate. I can be reached at www.listwithmercer.com. Thanks.